Well, welcome back to Work Minus, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work and quick pivots you can make today to get closer to the future of work. Today, our guest is Chris Byers. He's the CEO at Formstack, and this episode is Work Minus Noise. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I am good. Thanks for uh, the invitation to uh, be here. Yeah, no, we're very excited to have you on here. Uh, This is a popular topic, Work Minus Noise. How would you define noise in the workspace today? I think noise is, I mean, we, you get all kinds of noise. Obviously, if you're in a physical environment, you have people dropping by your desk, you, you've got emails coming in, you've got now often chat communications. And uh, there's, so there's kind of, I call it work proper noise. And then there's, I'd call it, you know, personal outside noise. And that could be um, social media and things that maybe distract you from kind of your, your typical day. So do you feel like, in general, the level of noise and distraction, I mean, it, we see it a lot. We, we talk about it a lot today, but is it actually different than it was maybe 20 years ago, or do we just more obvious now? No, it's probably more obvious. I and mean, if, I, if I have a dreamy thought back to the past, I think of my dad in his office, and he has a big stack of papers that uh, you know he's dealing with and doesn't really even have a computer on his desk, and he has a calculator or something like that. He was a CPA. Um, and, and I think of that as less noisy. That being said, uh, his phone rang all day. Obviously, that's a big distraction. He had stacks of papers, and it must have taken him you know, 30% of his time. Just Where do I find this next set of papers? How do I, coll- you know, how do I physically collect the papers? So it's probably not uh, too different. I, I think the, maybe the sum total of the noise is about the same. The problem is that it comes from so many different ways. You've got to protect yourself from uh, like tens of hundreds of different ways people can kind of get into your life and uh, distract you. So when it comes to kind of dealing with this noise, you have to consider yourself because it's coming in from so many fronts now, I guess is what you're saying. Instead of just one or two or, you know, less than 10 different places, it's coming in from hundreds of thousands, you're saying, right? Absolutely. And and I think it's I mean, a great example of that is I have a laptop sitting on my desk, I have my phone sitting at my desk, and then I have an iPad. And uh, I've had to manage that down to what each of those actually does for me, because you can actually have your phone ring on all three devices, and that's going to completely destroy whatever <laughs> you know uh, zone you might have been in. And it's just easy for those things to kind of creep into your life, and so you can kind of work to, to minimize that. So as the CEO of a company, what kind of dangers do you see as you and other people succumb to the noise? I mean, the biggest thing for me is, I, so I just went on vacation for a week, and for the first time in three years, I really tried to completely stay out of things. And so I deleted email off my phone. I left my phone in um, kind of in a drawer most of the day, and so got you know, really, really disconnected. And the wonderful thing about that was I felt like freer, more relaxed than I have in a long, long time. And yet it's really, really hard to do that. You feel like you need to stay connected so that people can get in touch with you and, oh, what if an emergency happens? And so, and and I think the thing that uh, eventually kind of causes you problems, causes you pain is you never really get time to step away from things and, and see things from an outside view. You just you're in in the weeds doing the work, and you you never take a chance to step back and say, "Am I doing the right things? Am I working on the right things? Is this the right structure?" 
And so I, I think that plays out for everybody, no matter what your job is. You don't have to be the CEO. You can be, um, you know, solving customer support tickets. But there's a way you go about that that probably is productive. And there's a way you go about that that probably isn't productive. And if you can step away a little bit, you can actually see that a little bit more clearly. Yeah, I'm reminded of a time when I was doing some language learning practice and uh, our teacher had told us, you know, you need to take some downtime to stop doing that every once in a while because something about how the brain works, it needs that time to kind of reprocess and you start to see things from that outside perspective. As you step away from it, it, you kind of get a fresher view of what you have done in the past. But when you're always in it all the time, then it's hard to get that perspective. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think the downtime is... I mean, I'll often tell people if I'm in the middle of a conversation, uh, trying to make a decision about something or make a strategic, you know, call and where we should go, I'm actually rarely, very rarely good at making that call in the moment. I usually need to take in the data and then needed to walk away. And often I'll walk out of the room and it will come to me, or I'll be in the car and it will come to me. But those are the moments when I'm actually not connected to everything uh, that I actually, I think, makes the, the the wiser decisions. So you gave us an example of what it means for how you stepped out of uh, in a vacation setting, putting your phone away. What are some other solutions you've personally practiced to put some of the space around you in the noise? Well, I think about the the day-to-day path that you start to see uh, in kind of in your in your work world. And I have tried over time to uh, I'll call it delegate some things, but then automate other things. And so within say email. Um, I have actually delegated to my assistant the ability to, um, you know, she can see all of my emails. She can grab things that are just going to be a distraction to me and get rid of them before I ever see them. She can um, draft emails to people so that most of the work is done. Um, sometimes in the past, they'll have used things like the canned responses in Gmail to start to, uh, you know, try to automate things. But that is about, you know, it, it, actually, email is probably one of the worst offenders. You've got things coming in all the time. And you've effectively got what we used to call junk mail. Uh, you know, people just reach out to you whenever they feel like it. And, uh, you know, that's a, a way people get sales done. I get it. I'm, I'm not offended by it. But you reaching out to me via email is not necessarily something I need to respond to. Even though it kind of feels like, oh, you got into my space, I should probably respond to you. And so um, I've had to come up with systems over time, again, like delegating my email to uh, allow those allow that to not kind of distract me and, and take my time away from what I really need to get done. Yeah, I think the farther we get into this digital world, the more we realize how bad, especially email is, because you know email is supposed to be the replacement for the office mail or for your, your post office box. And yet it's come to this place where if someone's doing work, if they're sitting in their inbox for four hours a day, they feel like they were being productive. Whereas you know if somebody said, hey, I spent four hours just sorting through all my mail, then you would think, man, you're wasting your time. But somehow email has become this kind of thing to say, hey, I'm being productive if I'm doing my email. Yeah, e- email is a funny thing. Ten years ago, uh, I used to work on really big deals that required lawyers to get deals done. And the way you solve problems is you got on the phone and you talked through a list of issues and then you moved forward. Today, I, I worked on a deal real recently uh, over the course of a couple months and Everything was done via email. And the nice thing about that in some ways is you could shoot a quick email and, you know, get a very quick response. On the other hand, I felt like you missed an opportunity to actually bring it all together and say, all right, let's get on the phone and just plow through every one of these issues. And so, uh, 
and, and actually consolidate that thinking time down to one moment versus 53 moments that come over the course of the week of back and forth emails. And so I think, uh, I, you know, funny enough, even internally, I will tend to encourage people to actually get on the phone more than email sometimes. We've lost touch with the fact that you can actually hear somebody's voice and plow through a lot of issues really quickly, um, whereas we're, we're, we kind of take the, I'll call it the lazy option in some ways of doing email, but then that creates more, uh, you know, more threads, more work, and ultimately costs you more time and distraction. Tell me a little bit more about the automation side of things. You said sometimes you spend time trying to find ways to automate things to reduce noise. How does that work for you? Well, I mean, some of, some of the simple, I'll call it automation. It's not, not exactly automation, but some of the simple things are actually getting rid of certain apps on maybe a, a given device. And so, uh, so we use Slack internally for chat. Well, I find that that's helpful in one plane, like on my computer, chatting is good. I often, sometimes I'll leave it on, but I'll often remove it from my phone because it then creates this, again, distraction or something that's going all the time. And it goes into the night. We have people who live all over the world. And so it can be going just about any time. But the other thing about uh, it around automation is, I mean, a great example of something we did internally recently was we built an HR or the employee annual review process. We actually developed that into a workflow so that, you know, an employee comes in, kicks off a process, or kicks that process off by doing a self-review. That automatically goes to the manager who does their review, which goes back to the HR team, who can then say, okay, great, here's the score this person got, here's the raise they could probably get. And I, I think in terms of automation, the biggest thing we face is we don't stop and just simply ask the question, what is in my workflow, my day-to-day workflow, that could be automated? Because I think if we just ask that question, We'd, we'd come up with the answer. There's, it's not that hard to find ways to automate tasks or find a piece of software that does something better than we would do it manually. Um, but we've done studies here that show, you know, 25% of, we did a study recently that showed 25% of some of the people who took the survey spend four or more hours a day doing manual data entry or spreadsheet at work. And that turns out to be a lot of time. And there's likely... We don't think of our time as worth that much, but if you actually think about the hourly rate most people get, that turns out to be a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And if you can find ways to automate, um, you can kind of win. Yeah, absolutely. That's four hours is a lot of time. Um, tell me a little bit more about how systematically, as a company, Formstack is finding ways to reduce noise. You've talked about you personally, but what about as a whole company? You know, I, I think we probably do it poorly, like most people do. <laughs> uh, even though we build a workflow product, and, um, and you, you're, you're familiar with this, I think, too, uh, you know, you, uh, being around workflow products, like you, you can have them in front of you and often still fail <laughs> to actually use them and, right. and uh, kind of re- reduce some of that time spent. But I, I think the, what we have tried to do is put uh, frameworks in place. And so a framework may be, or I've always thought that the, as an organization or an organism even grows, your ability to digest what's happening gets more and more complicated and, and it becomes less easy to see what's going on. And so we've tried to come up with frameworks that help you make smarter decisions. And so think about building products. As we grow, we have put in place four pillars of the types of things we do in product development. So 
we build toward the platform, we build toward kind of the upmarket or enterprise customer, we build toward the Salesforce market. And so putting those frameworks in place actually makes decision-making um, and, and and I'll call it automated decision-making. It doesn't exactly automate decision-making. That's not the real thing. But you need to pull out all of the extraneous things that stress you out and, and decrease your ability to make decisions and, and kind of minimize those so that you can spend all your time saying, all right, I already know we need to develop for the Salesforce market. So let me make decisions within uh, kind of within those buckets. So frameworks are the beginning of that, but that allows you to start to create systems around those uh, those frameworks and pillars to um, to move things quicker and to uh, kind of make operations work better. No, that sounds great as a great way to be able to build in those systems that people know already what's going on ahead of time so that they can make those decisions better. Uh, you talked about the fact that you have a lot of people on a lot of sides of the world interacting with this. As you work with other cultures, you realize that a lot of times it's in that chaos that's that a lot of people prefer to be in. You know, there's some cultures that prefer just to kind of, and people as well, that prefer to say, hey, I just want to show up to work, do my eight hours and, and go home. Whereas others say, I got to be around people. I got to be distracting people because that's how we get work done. If we work independently, then we can't collaborate and, and get better and innovate. So how do you find a, a way to balance that tension within your company? That's a, that's a great question. We call ourselves a relational remote organization. So of a hundred you know, plus people that we've got, we are, uh, most people do not physically work in an office. And the, the most extreme of that is, is companies who actually don't ever talk to their employees or don't talk to their teams. They all, everything is written communication or it's all about producing a project or something like that. We feel like that, you, you know what? You actually are extremely productive in an environment like that. You can sit behind your computer all day, actually reduce distractions, especially if you're at home. And you can get a lot done. The bad news is you, over time, lose a lot of energy that you get from other people around you. And yeah, you don't get that collaboration. And so we heavily, heavily, heavily use Zoom. And and not just um, and Zoom as kind of video conferencing technology. Right. You could use that for just audio. We very strongly encourage people to get on video on a daily basis. And so uh, that allows you to get on with people uh, collaborate with them, but also allows you still plenty, plenty of time during the day to be productive and get the things done that you uh, want to get done. And so it's definitely a balance and, and you can actually get on too many video calls where you're, you might as well be in an office sitting in meetings all day uh, in a conference room. It, it, it can turn out to be the same thing, but the balance you're right is important. It, you know, the, from a productivity standpoint, no distractions, no people around you is beautiful. Um, but a life without people around you is also really probably pretty sad. So <laughs> I think it's important to find ways to, uh, you know, interact more, uh, more with the people around you. Do you think that remote working exposes you to more noise than co-locating does? In my experience, remote actually creates an environment where you're, you tend to be much, much less distracted. I, I think the people stopping by your desk, the conversations that pop up around you in a kind of a co-located space, those are very, those turn out to be very, very distracting. Now, there's some sub advantages to them. Like you, you have, you just have a sense of what's going on around you more often. You might pick up on conversations that uh, about projects you're not really involved in, but are helpful for you to know. You miss, miss that in a remote environment, but it's, it's 
definitely distracting and hard to get focused. And so I'd say most people, at least the people we hire, are very good at getting super focused and staying productive in that remote environment. Good. All right, Chris. Uh, tell me one really radical thing you would do to help your team be exposed to less distraction and less noise. What's one very kind of far out there idea you have? Well, it, I think it's really hard to ask people to do something, make a major, major change on a day-to-day basis. But one thing I've been considering here in the recent past is um, I heard this actually from a guy named Henry Kastner, who was a co-founder of bandwidth.com, but uh, they did on vacation, they did what they called uh, an embargo against communication uh, for people on vacation. And I think that as just the first step to be a building block um, would be somewhat radical and set the stage for saying, you know what, when you go on vacation, you cannot communicate with people and we cannot communicate with you. That's the gift we're going to try to give you. And that becomes the basis for saying you are allowed to, at times, completely disconnect from work so that you can get a perspective on life and perspective on your work and know that every day, every moment is not about you just working here. So that's probably what I would, uh, what, what I've been toying around with. And uh, maybe your question will get me to, to, to get some movement on that. Yeah, yeah, you should absolutely do it. I heard about one company that they, whenever somebody went out of the office on vacation, they put up an autoresponder that said, if you email this person, it said, you know, this person's on vacation. Uh, they get back on this day. You can contact them. And then they said, and your email will be deleted. So just <laughs> very clearly, like they, they are not going to get this message. You can contact them later. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I like that. Very good. All right. Well, tell us, Chris, we've been talking about a world of work minus noise. What does that look like in the future? If we can achieve that, what kind of company are you talking about? What are the positive aspects of that you see? You know, we, we all get in this mode where we tend to repeat the things that we see around us and repeating, this, especially in a business, what that often means is we look around at competitors or people doing similar things and we say, oh, look, they built this feature. We should build that feature. And I think what that turned, uh, not distract and like not getting rid of the noise, and that's a bit of the noise, what is somebody else doing? Uh, doesn't allow us to step away and get really creative and solve some really cool and interesting problems. So I think as we can find ways to get rid of the noise, um, we can see some of the most creative outcomes from businesses come out that we've probably ever seen. Well, great. Chris, thanks so much for being on the show. People want to connect with you at formstack.com. You're on Twitter as well. Anywhere else they should go to? Uh, those are probably the, the best ways to connect. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. And we look forward to talking with you again soon. All right. Thanks, Neil.